now proud partner of the Clydesdale Media. This is the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. Hey guys, before we start this episode, I wanted to talk to you about Type 1 Lifting. So Type 1 Lifting is a clothing line that proceeds of the shirts and tanks and everything else goes to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. So um, this all came about with me and seeing a five-year-old girl in the emergency department uh, that had new onset of diabetes. So uh, just take a look at the website. It's www.type1lifting.com. So just check it out. If you don't buy anything, that's perfectly fine. Uh, I would just like for you just to take a look and just see what we have. So like I said before, www.type1lifting.com. And guys, I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, we have a new sponsor for the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. The company's called Liberté Lifestyle. So Liberté is a French word meaning freedom. And the company was founded on the desire to have freedom to choose what we want to do with our lives. I actually had the owner, um, Nicole, on my podcast on episode 28. So if you want to go back and listen to her, um, she talks about how she started the company and what she wants to do in the future with the company, which is pretty cool. So uh, they actually have knee sleeves, wrist wraps, shirts, shorts. Uh, Love the knee sleeves. I have the ice cream knee sleeves and I love them so much. They haven't the neoprene's still good. Uh, the seams haven't split compared to other uh, knee sleeves that I have had in the past, uh, and I'm planning to keep these for a very, very long time. So uh, Nicole actually gave me a promo code for you guys too. So it's all capital letters, T-Y-P-E, and the number one. So it's type one. So go to LibertéLifestyle.com, uh, check out what they have in the store, use the promo code type one, and save some coin. Now let's go to the episode. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I have a very special guest. Um, He is the champ for the CrossFit Games Neuromuscular Division for this year's games. Uh, His name is Brett Horchar. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Tom? Not bad. I thank you for doing this last minute. Like I said before, I do appreciate it. Absolutely. um, I, I I think how we connected was you actually started following me on Instagram, and then I was like, Oh wait! So I started looking at your profile. I'm like, oh okay, that's that's real cool. So um, I definitely want to get your experience uh, for the games and everything. But before that, I kind of want to talk about you know, prior of you getting MS and like what your childhood would like. Were you very active and and you know, kind of all all the way leading towards you know getting MS and then winning the CrossFit Games? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, through my childhood, I was super active. You know, I did all the sports. I tried them all, you know, like every kid does, you know, five years old, you tried baseball. You realize that, you know, you don't want to pick grass all the time. So you don't do baseball anymore. <laughs> Play your soccer, right? You know, and then you realize that, oh, I'm just running around. I'm not actually kicking a ball. So you don't do that either for a little bit. But I stayed relatively active as a kid uh, up until, you know, like middle school time, picked up basketball for a couple of years. I never grew past five foot eight. So therefore, basketball was kind of out of the question once it stopped growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we went into soccer because all my friends played soccer. Of course, they played it since they were five. Uh, I had joined in at roughly, that would be 13 or 14. So a little behind on the foot skill, but, you know, put in the work and had a lot of fun with that. So I stayed relatively active overall. And then leading through high school was when I just started lifting weights just to add on a little bit of size. I played goalie through soccer because okay. 
once again, not very good with the uh, feet overall. So same here. I was a goalie too. So. Oh no way! Yeah, no way. that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. How many years did you play? Uh, I played four years in high school. Actually, no, I'm sorry, I lied. Two years in high school. Uh, then I moved, transferred over to another school, and then I played football like the last two years, and that was it. Okay. All right. Did you ever uh, do any, like indoor tournaments or anything like that? Uh, I like I played like men's leagues and stuff like that. So it's pretty much yeah. like like my my sister. She played in like a co-ed league, and so she's like, "Hey, we need some people for like an indoor." indoor thing and like yes. i haven't touched a soccer ball and probably at that time i think it was like six or six years or maybe a little bit like earlier than that and i was like so out of like i was so out of not i was not in the right space like i i was like <laughs> like the feet skills were like non-existent i tried to headbutt into the goal it was just it was a nightmare so but I, that was like the last time and now my now my seven-year-old's playing soccer so i'm kind of like playing with him around just trying to get back the skills so just to kind of there you go make sure he doesn't get the ball and he gets pissed off. So <laughs> I like that. sounds like a solid strategy there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually funny you mentioned that though. You know, like I played soccer for years and then didn't play for a bit, still stayed super active. And then I also did an adult league. They opened like an indoor place and uh, I tried that out. What happened was my shins were on fire. Like after one game, I'm like, yeah, and my shins and legs are now on fire. Like what is happening? So uh, we, we played through the first season. It was a new place. Uh, it was fun, but it, they couldn't keep the teams going. So we were like, eh, probably not going to invest in the long run. But, you know, it was kind of the same thing. Like your sister was like, oh, we need to get people together to make this team. You know, yep. so that was me. I decided to be the captain and take that responsibility of oh. like, hey, I need people or else we can't play. Like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah. That was me too. When I, I played uh, played in a summer like basketball league for like the hospital I was working up up in Massachusetts. And it was just pulling teeth, just trying to get people to play. And it was oh, like, absolutely. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, if you don't want to show up, don't show up. I, I like, we'll, we'll play with four people. Like, I don't care. So, <laughs> exactly. exactly. And then, like, I will play goalie and defense. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I don't, I'm not going to do this again. It's not worth it. And plus like people, people at work took it way too serious. And I'm like, I'm just here to play and have a good time. That's I, I don't, I don't care. So yeah. That was us as we had like there was maybe six teams in the league. We were the hey, we just got some guys who work out together and wanted to play soccer <laughs> against the people who were like, oh, we're here to win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, all right, we're calm down. Yeah, yeah. That was that was me playing lacrosse too. Like there was like dudes that like trying to re relive their glory days, and I'm like, bro, like I don't now. Just stop. Yeah. Just stop doing it. Yeah, absolutely. No, that was. It. I mean, it's still fun, but you know, you're, you're like, come on, we're just trying to hang out. We're not trying to crush each other in the face like we're not anymore <laughs> yeah so speaking about you lifting weights so um, right. what was your like were you doing like typical like bro splits or like what what were you doing at that time to just try to lift weights during the soccer season yeah so kind of a combination that's what i had was uh the splits where it was just like all right monday's gonna be chest tricep shoulders tuesday's back biceps um and then wednesday's gonna be legs you know and then just kind of take a day off go through that cycle again uh, I actually, that's where I first started getting regimented was before high school, like before I would go to school, I would get up at four in the morning. I would go into my parents' basement because we had a, like a Craigslist garage back. <laughs> nice. You know, your, your 20 pounds, you know, silver bar, your plates that are just made of like rock, steel, whatever that they just smashed together to make it into a 25 pound plate, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I'd work out for about an hour, hour and a half, shower, get ready, go to school, go 
go to soccer practice for two hours after, get home, homework, eat as much food as I could, and then just pass out. So that was uh, that started back in high school with that routine of just lifting through all those bro splits, which it was cool. It, it, but in the back of my mind, there was something that was like, even though I'm working out, I don't feel fit, you know? And that's yep. like the difference between like those bro splits and functional fitness is that in the end, if, you know, if you're constantly just pumping your muscles up and not actually getting them to go through a functional range of motion, you start to feel like you're not even fit, which is mm -hmm. not the point, you know? Yep. Yep. Even like walking up a flight of stairs, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so winded. You're like, what, what, what is going on here? Like this shouldn't be happening. Absolutely. I mean, cause at that point is through high school, I had a job as a, a server assistant at a Longhorn Steakhouse. <laughs> I was going around just like busting tables. I'm like, I'm exhausted. Like I can't even walk around this restaurant anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. So did you play any sports in college at all? Or did you go to college? Yeah. So I um, actually never went to college. Okay. Uh, I tried it. I thought I knew what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I, I guess to rewind and take a step back in my parents' basement garage gym um, during the summers, I would actually invite my friends over and I had a big whiteboard. I would write down the workouts and that's where I almost got like the first hint of being a trainer. So okay. I very cool. Enjoyed teaching them like these little things. We would work out together. Um, I also had like a heavy bag and a speed bag. I would teach them actually some boxing as well. Uh, so that was kind of cool just to get the dudes together during the summer and just hang out and work out together. That's really cool. So like, uh, so did you realize like I, earlier on, like when you started doing the program, like, Hey, this, this could be a thing or what, what, what were you, what was going through your mind when you're doing the program? I was like, just want to get swole for the summer. Honestly. Yeah. It was a combination of just getting swole for the summer. And I was like, yeah, there's no way this is a job. Yeah. <laughs> this is no job. You know, like you go through school and they're like, research these jobs, you know, find out how much they make, get an idea of what you want to do. And then you go ahead and look up trainer. And at the time when I was in high school, it was like a trainer makes 25,000 a year. That won't work. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So I guess I can't do that as a job. Uh, so that was kind of my first like derail of eh, maybe that's not the right path for me. Uh, yeah. But you know, down the line, even though I fought that for years, trying to do what society said I should do to get the good job, to pay the bills and, you know, do what you got to do. I finally gave in. I was like, all right, boom, we're going to get a trainer job because this is what needs to happen. I tried community college. I went for a physical therapy assistant because I was like, okay, kind of works with working out with people, but you know, you're more on like a medical side that should be better money. Mm -hmm. uh, I went through a couple semesters of community college, submitted a package because you had to get the grades to get accepted into this program was one out of 30. So that was great. You know, got accepted. I was going through the first year and then I felt like a nurse. And I was like, uh oh, uh, <laughs> I was like, this is not what I expected. Yeah. For two years to find out that I don't like what I'm about to go into. So uh, I finished that semester and you know i thankfully my professor was like very understanding when i had the conversation with her that it just wasn't what i was looking for um which you know i had a good connection with her as well she was a very good teacher i did well with the classes it just wasn't the right fit so finished that out at least got the credits what i had to do and that was kind of the final step of like okay now what 
because I'm not in community college anymore. Mm -hmm. The point of going to college for four years for exercise science at that point, when you really just need a certificate, it's like, what, which one do you do? Which path do you take there? So we went with the uh, certificate and that's actually around that time was when I got my CrossFit L1. Okay. Very cool. I started coaching at a box um, and just kind of did that like two days a week, you know, it, you get paid like 15 bucks a class, you know, it's not making the ends meet by any means there, but it was still just, it was fun. You know, like it was just a side gig to do for fun to teach people what you love about. And that was kind of my first little dabble of having being a trainer on the side, super cool. But at that point in my mind, it was still like, yeah, this is just always going to be a side gig. There's never mm-hmm. gonna be like a main job with that. Yeah. So when did, when did, so when did CrossFit come out? Uh, when did actually you actually realize like, Hey, CrossFit's a thing and this looks pretty cool. And like, when did you kind of want to dip your toes into it? That's the funniest part is I resented CrossFit at first. I mean, well, me too. Me too. I, I did not, you know, you're, you're the bro science guy, you know, like you're the guy doing your pumps, your splits and everything. You don't want to be like, now I do CrossFit, you know, because it, then all the people who do their biceps every day, they're like, Oh, you do CrossFit. And you're like, uh, no, but I ended up doing Spartan races, actually. Okay. the Spartan races. And I would make circuits of, uh, almost like EMOM style, which at the time I didn't even know what EMOM meant. I would just say, all right, on this minute here, I have to do like 10 power cleans. Then I'm going to go ahead and run a 200 meter in the second minute and third minute, I'm going to row for another 250 meters, like whatever it may be in combination. And I'd have people in the gym walk up to me because I didn't have a box. I had a gym that I went to relatively big. Uh, It was called Legends of Pittsburgh Fitness and Performance Center up in, that was near my hometown. It's kind of out near a Tarentum area there. And it was a really great gym. They had everything you needed. And they, they had a CrossFit-esque area that if you were a member in pain, you could use it if they weren't running classes. So that was kind of cool there. Um, but yeah, I had people walk by. They're like, oh, man, I didn't know you do CrossFit. And I was like, please, please. I, <laughs> interval training. All right. There's a difference between CrossFit and interval training. I'm not doing CrossFit. And so uh, that was when I first would deny, deny, deny that I was ever doing CrossFit until you know i would do the spartan races and it was almost just like an elongated workout of the day you know you're you're carrying sandbags you're you know uh carrying these giant pails full of rocks you're climbing ropes like and then you're running for anywhere from short side three miles to 15 miles not that it's fair if we ever see anything like that in a competition i know i have a four-hour event you know we'll we'll see what happens but yeah that was kind of my first dip into CrossFit until I finally got to a CrossFit box that opened up. It was brand new. They had a student rate that was like super low. Um, and I bought into it and I was like, wow, I've never had someone else give me workouts and this is kind of great. So that was, uh, where it all started there with CrossFit. Okay. Very cool. And, w- and what year was this when this, when you started? Oh, that was back in 2016. Okay. That was- 16 there so uh, you know relatively healthy person I kept my fitness in check uh, did everything I could and then you know two years down the road 2018 you know I got diagnosed with MS there Uh, so kind of how that happened was I was a had my first job as a full-time trainer at Planet Fitness yes 
uh, you know, the pizza on Mondays, I actually went back to work on those Mondays so I could eat dinner. <laughs> it's like, you're going to give me free pizza. I will be there. It yeah. Was, um, but I was walking around work and out of nowhere, my right leg, I had to start physically thinking, pick up, extend, put down, pull. Like with every single step, it, it looked like, have you ever seen Forrest Gump? Yeah. You know how he like walked and how he ran and like, you know, that's exactly what I looked like. I looked like I was trying to move my leg and it was the hardest thing in the world. Uh, finished my shift out that day and I went to the doctor and they started talking to me like, ah, it looks like it might be sciatic based on what you're feeling there. I had this weird heated sensation on the left side of my body, right side of my body started going numb and I couldn't really feel how to move it. And they're like, it must be your sciatic nerve. I'm like, eh. I mean, I've had sciatic issues before, you know, things get tight down there, but it's never, never been anything like that. So left, you know, thank you, doctor. You know, I left, <laughs> I got, uh, and unfortunately it slowly progressed and got worse. Uh, next thing you know, I'm at my parents' house. I was living at home at the time. Whenever this did happen, I was 21 years old and I'm walking around the house, hobbling around the house realistically. And next thing you know, like one misstep, and I fall over and I'm on the ground and I don't know if it was like a stress reaction or what that finally exacerbated it into what it was, but I couldn't move my right leg. I, my right leg was just shut off. Um, I had like uh, claw hand. I don't know if you ever heard of claw hand, but mm -hmm. that going on um, with my right hand as well. And I didn't know what was happening. You know, <laughs> I remember laying on the floor and thinking, cool, cool. We're here now. Um, I can't move the right side of my body. Uh, what do we do from here? <laughs> so you start, you know, you like roll over super hard on the floor. You start pulling yourself across the floor to get to your phone, you know, cause the first thing you want to do is call somebody. Um, and it was St. Patrick's day. So, you know, trying to find somebody <laughs> in like three, four o'clock when everybody's doing their thing on St. Patrick's day, uh, that was a little difficult, but called my parents you know they were out with some friends just hanging out is what it is and they were like oh we know these people they're gonna be like at home um it was my one friend like family friend so she said call them have them take you to the hospital they came over took me to the hospital and they ran so many tests it was very extensive and you know it, all the nurses and everything were really weirded out by it because they could feel my body physically radiating an extreme amount of heat on one side and my body was super cold on the other. Like there was nothing happening. You know, it's, it's really hard to tell what MS is until you physically go into the brain scan and mm -hmm. on there. Right. Uh, because MS essentially, for those who don't know, MS is when you have lesions, whether it be in your brain or in your spine, and what these lesions do is that they cause a dysfunction from the brain to the end of your nerves, right? At the end of your nerves, you have your myelin sheath. This myelin sheath is a little piece that goes over the nerve that when it goes into the muscle with the neuromuscular junction, that's where it sends the electrical signal and says, when my brain says, bend your knee, boom, sends it down, bend your knee. You know, those muscles kind of work in that pattern. Now, with that myelin sheath being weak and deteriorating, the electric signal from your brain going down to that muscle, it's not as instant or it might not even work. You know, there, there's some days where stuff just doesn't even turn on mm -hmm. and 
directly aware of this during things like training, during just everyday life and what's going on. Uh, because when you have a sensory overload and your muscles and brain aren't connecting and getting that instant reaction through the electrical signals, that's when you see extra fatigue kick in. You, you know, you see your body start to shut down when it overloads and it's not actually able to send and receive those signals there. So I was uh, in the hospital though, going back to that, I got three CAT scans, two MRIs, and then a spinal tap. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And it wasn't even like your normal CT scans. They were like, oh, this one takes this dye. So like I'm getting injected with a dye for the first one and like, oh, this one, you need a different dye so we could try to see this. And I literally just felt like, I don't know, like they were just constantly pouring stuff into me to try to figure something out. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, it's actually funny with the way that you talked about uh, earlier with giving the kid the high five, being like, oh, you're part of the diabetes club or the mom, the high five there. <laughs> yeah. They didn't do that for me. It, it was very, very subtle where we asked the nurse, we're like, do, do you know what's going on? Like, did the MRI say anything? She's like, oh yeah, you have multiple sclerosis. Uh, all right, we'll see you later. I was like, wait, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> you just get, you just diagnosed me with this disease, I think, because I don't even know what that is. Yeah. And you just leave just like that. So, you know, it, it took a little bit before they brought a doctor doctor up there and they actually showed me the holes in my brain um which you know makes a lot of dark humor it's really great when people ask me i can be like well there's holes in my brain, you see so really makes for a, a great joke there you know laugh at your own pain type deal but um yeah that was kind of where it all started and that's where the journey began you know you're sitting in bed like I remember physically, like I asked my mom to leave the room because at this point I'm a bit emotional. Um, and it took me five minutes or less. I swear it was like the quickest pass through of emotion where you say either, all right, this happened and it sucks. And I got to figure out what I'm going to do every single day to prevent it from sucking. Or you can lay in this hospital bed, accept what's happened and just not do anything about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope my actions I've done have shown that I took the first route. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, you know what really, you know what gets me aggravated? Like I've, I've been the nurse and like, I've been in the medical field for like 14 years before I became a medical recruiter. And like, there are some people in the medical field that have like no common sense or no, like they have no filter. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. Manner. yeah. No filter, like they'll just like blab out and just like the most random stuff. And it's just like, you know, that's not really appropriate at that time to talk to that person like that. So you may want to consider something else. Like, yeah, one example I have this, this guy, I don't, I don't know what his issue was, but like, he was like pretty much bedridden and the mom and the wife has to like clean him, wipe him on like, you know, if he makes a mess oh, of wow. himself, like er everything. Yeah. And so the doctor's like, I completely understand what you're going through. I, I I understand what you're talking about. And the 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 wife is like, you have no idea what I'm talking about because you're right. not you're not in my situation. And so I told that I told that doctor that at the time she was a resident, so she was like a, a kind of like um, I think she was like a second year or something like that. I'm like, you do not say that to anybody. Yeah, never, never. And she's like, I will never say that again. And I'm like, yeah, you learned real quick not to say that stuff. And I've I learned real quick at a, like I was at a meeting and I, I would, they said, you never say that word, never say that sentence ever. 
you know, like, I'm sorry you're feeling this way. You know, I'm sorry. Like, right. yeah, you don't, you don't even like, you don't say, oh, hey, you got MS and just walk out, you know, just say, hey, I'm going to, cons- I'm going to have you go, like, I'll get the doctor in here to kind of talk to you and, right. you know, and let you know what you have instead of just saying, oh, you got MS and walk out. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the nuttiest thing about it. My mom and I literally looked at each other like, uh, what, what does that mean? Like, what is it? <laughs> It's like, oh, the doctor will be in. <laughs> we're like, oh, okay, like that's fine. <laughs> we're not, we're not worried or anything. It's not my health or anything important, you know. Yeah. So, did you stay in the hospital for a couple of days, or how long were you there for your after you after you got diagnosed? Yeah, so I was there for a week. Uh, I went through just heavy treatment as far as that goes to work on getting the muscles moving again, and was on a walker. You know, that was kind of my biggest thing. Is I then was going from this guy who was working out every day, played sports, took care of his body and was running Spartan races. And now out of nowhere, he's using a walker to figure out how to live life again, not even work out, like just figure out what is, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So learn how to walk again. It felt like dragging my leg behind me a lot. So I would actually get a nurse and like the, the other nurses were great. You know, the ones that were there, like checking in on you, seeing how you're yep. doing were awesome there. Uh, even got to write like little cards. If you wanted to put like a, a nurse high five on like the notice board, <laughs> a couple of those, cause there were some that really stuck out to me. Um, but I would ask them like, watch me walk, like, tell me if like I'm dragging my foot, like what I need to do to get my hips aligned, whatever it may be. Um, because I would see a physical therapist as well. They brought one in to kind of adjust things for me. And they told me those were certain things to look for. So I was very thankful that the nurses were willing to kind of hang out with me a little bit and watch me walk to make sure that I was doing it right. Um, it was a slow, slow, slow process. I think my leg literally lifted like it felt like half an inch off the ground every time. Like I was swinging it with my whole right side of my body, trying so hard just to move it. I'll never forget when they would do the screening every day, kind of see where my strength was at my left leg, you know, like a line on the bed, left leg, it goes, but then my right leg, it's like, uh, like just just do everything in my power to lift it. And it just doesn't move at all. I'm like breaking a sweat, trying to lift my right leg off of a bed. Um, But yeah, we went through a lot of treatment with that. They gave me a a resistance band. So I went back to some bro things when I was in the hospital. I would actually sit down out in the hallway on a chair, tie my rubber band around something, do some curls on the chair, like wrap it around the back, do some chest press. Just You're in the hospital, you know, what else are you going to do besides eat and walk or kind of walk for my case, you know? Um, So we kind of worked with that a little bit and just slowly but surely it got a little easier to walk. Um, I would take some brave steps and not use my walker and have like a nurse right next to me, man, did that get tiring? <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I, 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 I can imagine that. Yeah, definitely. It's like, you, you realize it's been so much time in my life spent working out and now I'm getting out of breath once I lose this walker and have to walk on my own again. Like my right leg really takes that much energy for me, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but same thing, you know, you stay on track, you just practice it over and over again. Um, after seven days, I was there for seven days, I was able to walk. Um, I definitely still wasn't at full strength by any means, but my hand went through some occupational therapy to get rid of that claw hand. 
and worked with a occupational therapist with some like uh, putty type deal just to get those muscles moving in the fingers yep. again. But once I got out of there, I thought things were a lot better. And the very next day I went back to the gym and I found out, wow, we still have <laughs> work to do. <laughs> yeah. So how, how long were you at the, like, at the physical therapy throughout the whole process when you got MS? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was kind of through that week there, I was with the physical therapy. They recommended I do physical therapy post um, being in the hospital. So once I got out there, but I told my mom, I'm like, I, I don't want to pay $25 every time, you know, to go to this physical therapy when I have a decent knowledge on working out myself. So she said, okay, well, do me a favor. Let's go to the physical therapist. And if we do anything that's outside of your realm, that's like, oh, wow, I wouldn't have thought to do this to work on balance or walking, then we'll stick with it. If it's all things that you relatively feel like, okay, I can do this. I got this figured out. Then I won't make you go. So mm -hmm. went to a PT session, you know, practiced a couple things on like some squishy foam boards, you know, practicing balancing. Uh, the one that was most interesting to me was standing on one leg and closing your eyes because your <laughs> eyes visually, they let you know if you're balanced, right? Mm -hmm. When you close your eyes and now you don't see if you're balanced, it actually makes you focus even more on balance. So, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, like, let me stand on one leg, close my eyes, like, whatever, sure, whatever you say, doc, you know, <laughs> and I do it. And I'm like, whoa, whoa what's, what, what's going on here? I can't balance. So it definitely was a little bit more of an experience, you know, trying to learn from literally ground zero after doing all the things that I had done up to that point in life to be humbled you know, to say that you have lost one of the most basic abilities of life that you've had for 21 years. And now you got to start over and figure out everything again. So it was really, really humbling to a degree. And now it's, it's like, you look at every day and think I can walk, you know, <laughs> like I, I used yeah. to granted. And once that got taken away from me, you're like, wow, I can't believe how almost like unthankful I was that I was just able to walk. So every day now I, I kind of look at it like that is that if I get out of bed and I can walk, it's, it's a pretty darn good day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So did you ever get frustrated throughout the whole process? Like, just like, maybe like, I don't know, maybe a couple minutes of like a fit being like F this, like this is, this sucks. You know, have you ever had any of those? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I went, so I was back at the gym, right. And I was trying to do things. There was a turf field, I remember I would run and I had patient marks around that because it was me giving my best to run. Uh, but as I'm going through, I would run where I could and then I would turn back and try to go a little faster. I'd turn back and try to go a little faster. And that sensory overload I talked about when it was too much, I would literally get this jolting pain down my spine and then it would really hit hard through the hips and legs. And that's when I knew when to stop. And I was you've got to be kidding me. Like I, I feel like I am now at a moderate jogging pace and my body is telling me to stop or I would hang from a pull-up bar and I would be like completely uneven like this because I couldn't grip my own body weight anymore. It, it was certain things that you're just like, holy heck, like, I, I got to literally start from ground zero and it, it's frustrating. It, it was frustrating, but what I kind of kept in my mind was 
all right, this sucks now, but if you do every little piece, like it's a puzzle, you know, like a thousand piece puzzle and you're putting one piece together at a time, eventually it'll start to build the picture and it'll start to come together. You know, the image will be there, the ending. Well, not that there's ever an ending to this, but you know, the, the goal to say is going to be starting to come back into sight there. Okay. Now all this training, were you doing it this at your CrossFit gym or were you doing it like the, the plan of fitness? This was at, I went back to, um, legends of Pittsburgh. So okay. I went back there, I had my best buddy and he would come out with me and my mom would even talk to him and be like, you better make sure you stay safe. You know, this is <laughs> now I'm 21 years old. My mom's like, you better keep him safe, you know, or else I'm after you. But you know, he, he was biggest support system. We would go to the gym every day. Um, and he would push me, but in, in small amounts. So, you know, before my diagnosis, I had PR'd my clean at like 255. Uh, a push coming out of the hospital was a squat clean at 95. So it was, it was once again, just one of those things you're like, wow, so many steps backwards. And it took me how long to get to where I was before. And now I'm just taking those small steps again, just small steps in rebuilding. Yeah. So, and I know that like the, you try to like PR your, you know, back squat, front squat, like deadlift and like clean and jerks and stuff like that, that definitely like fries your system. So how, how many times do you try to PR? Like, like, do you try to PR at all? Or you just kind of keep it at like a, like a percentage rate, like 80 or 90%. Yeah. So I'd say relatively speaking, I work more with percentages. Um, if I know I'm working with like higher percentages consistently, that's a PR in my book. You know what I mean? Like if those higher weights that used to be hard to move for singles gets easier, that that's a PR in my book. Um, okay. Every once in a while, you know, things do feel really good and you go by feeling when things are feeling good, you know, I'll, I'll send it, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Happens and uh, if it works, great. If not, you know, we will uh we'll fall down and we'll laugh trying about it at least, you know. Yeah. So if you have like do you have like I'm trying to say like, like kind of like an RPE scale of like that day of like let's say I walk into the gym and you know it's my MS is like acting up like really bad. So I should do like an RPE of like five or like you know, or sure. even lower. So like what what's What's your whole process of like entering the gym for like that day? If you have like a bad day or a good day. Yeah, absolutely. So realistically, I look at the workout, um, depends on what we're doing for like metabolic conditioning, what we're doing for the weights. I try my hardest to at least hit the prescribed percentages. You know, like if those are prescribed, great. Um, if I hit those great, if I need to back off a little, I, I know, you know, mm -hmm. it's we'll start down with warming up at least see where things are feeling and really just like, with how the muscles work or don't work, whatever it may be, my biggest thing is my joints. You know, if you don't have your muscles turning on around the knee joints or the ankle joints and the hips, and you're doing snatches, you're now just blowing out your knees. You know, you, you aren't having the muscles support it. So there's really no point to try to hit your heaviest weight. You know, I'd rather hit a weight where I can feel muscles supporting my joints and maybe move a little slower just so that way I know I'm not blowing out my knees and going to need a knee replacement in like two years. You know? yeah, yeah, I hear you. So that's definitely a big, a big concern of mine is 
uh, especially from the waist down. So a lot of like leg movements. And they talk about that because they say the further the muscles are from the brain, the harder it is for the signals to get down there. You know, they, they kind of already weaken naturally by the time they get down there. So then adding MS into the factor definitely makes a huge difference. So I'll look at the weights of the conditioning as well and say, you know what, today's the day I can push it. Or if it's not, then I have no problem with just saying today's the day that I can move. And we're going to figure out how to adjust these weights to make sure that I'm just moving in a metabolic conditioning state there. Okay. Now, when did you hear about the adaptive division in CrossFit? Sure. Yeah. So that was, uh, I mean, when it came out, they talked about the adaptive divisions back in, that would have been the first announcement 2020, or that would have been, yeah, in 2020, when they talked about adding these new divisions and they talked about neuromuscular and I'm like, well, wait a second. I have a neuromuscular condition, you know? <laughs> I'm affected by all these things. Do I qualify? You know, like, am I Ron Burgundy? (laughs) (laughs) I ended up, uh, I I shot out an email because the biggest thing for me with these divisions is they're a massive opportunity for everyone to compete, everyone to feel included. And the one thing I would never want to take away from that is the inclusivity and the fairness across the board with it. So I did send an email to CrossFit. I didn't know it was Alec at the time, but I just inquired about it and said, Hey, here's my story. Here's where I'm at. And here's what I've gone through out of all fairness through divisions. Like, is this something I qualify for? And then they said, yeah, it's something you qualify for. So I, that's when I said, okay, well, looks like we're going to do this. And I signed up for the neuromuscular division for the open. Um, and that's where the story gets crazy. You know, you, <laughs> you end up going in, the workouts get released one by one. And, you know, as the open goes, you do them, you submit the score. And I ended up winning the CrossFit open in 2021 in the men's neuromuscular division, brand new division, super cool, super awesome. Uh, and we thought that was the end, you know, and they're talking about like oh, quarterfinals, you know, semifinals, everything that they did for all the other divisions and, you know, me and a couple of the guys, you know, we're looking at the leaderboard. We find each other on Instagram, start talking, like just getting to know each other. You know, it's really cool now to not only find people with neuromuscular conditions, but neuromuscular conditions in athletes, you know, mm-hmm. the same thing that is not just helped them physically, but mentally break through on their condition and, and fight that every single day. There's some really, really great guys in the division. And I, I love our division. Honestly, it's no one else understands our division. Like, neuromuscular people you know you look at somebody in the upper extremity or the lower extremity and you clearly see their you know whether it be a leg's gone or they have like a malformation in the arm whatever it may be it's like okay cool I see that you you don't see what's going on inside our bodies you know you don't see like how our systems are fried or how a workout makes half of our body shut off and it's just only something that other neuromuscular athletes can really understand and appreciate. Uh, so it's kind of cool to have that connection with people who do understand what you go through as an athlete with that. Um, but back to my point, there was, we thought it was the end. We were talking, thinking it was done and over with. We email CrossFit and talk to them and they say, yeah, at this time, you know, it was great. Yeah, it was more participation shows up. We're sure there's going to be extra levels, this and that. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. That's fine. 
And then April 28th, I remember specific. I want to say 28th. I remember literally staring at the Instagram posts for like a minute with my mouth, just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, what, what, what is this? And it said, CrossFit had enough participation in the open in three of the adaptive divisions that the top five of each division, men and women, will be going to Madison to compete for the title of fittest on earth. And they said the following categories, upper extremity division, lower extremity division, and wait for it, neuromuscular division. (laughs) Very cool. So your mouth probably like dropped. You're like, oh my God, like I can't like... Am, am I going? Am, yes. am, I, am I actually, am I actually going to be there? Like, is, yep. this, is this how it works? So um, when you got that email saying that, Hey, you know, you got invited to Madison, like what, like, what were you doing? Like, what were you setting up for? You know, like how, like, what was the process going through like that time when you got that email to actually getting to Madison? Yeah. So let's getting the email just to get an invite to Madison that was some of the most stressful, like, that was four weeks, four weeks since the announcement, five weeks, six, six weeks. I remember it was like around mid June. And so, yeah, it would be about six weeks after the announcement that we finally got an invite. So really, really funny story there is that, you know, we're all talking like, oh my God, did you get an email yet? Did you get something yet? No, no, didn't get anything. We start having to like fill out more paperwork that we're getting from CrossFit saying like, Hey, we need like verification on your diagnosis. Like what's going on? Because, you know, out of all fairness, they want to make sure everything is set. Um, So we had to get like paperwork from doctors, stuff of that nature, just to show legitimacy. But then on top of that, they wanted us all to submit 21.3 and four on video. Now, (laughs) the thing is, when you don't expect to go to the CrossFit games, there's one thing you don't do with your workouts <laughs> and that's video your open workouts. So I had to re-video 21, three and four. And the worst part was I had COVID oh. before this whole thing came out that they said, we need this video. I was bedridden, you know, for two weeks and then a third week of finally just moving. I went back to the gym and I worked out for eight minutes and I died <laughs> and I couldn't work out any longer than eight minutes. And I said, we're done. That's it. Check. Day one. Went back day two, moved a little bit better. Check days over. We're just going to keep adding back into it. You know, I'm familiar with this, you know, being out of it and then just building back in. And that's when we get the email and it's like, all right, my third session back from the worst illness I ever had I have to give it my absolute best <laughs> games. That's fine. That's fine. Really. Everything's fine. You know, nothing, 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 this isn't hard. What are you talking about? Like where, where's the challenge here? So it was a, uh, it was a challenge, you know, to try to replicate those scores. I think in the end I was like nine seconds off from my Metcon time and maybe like 10 pounds under my lift, you know, still put me in first on those scores there. So I think the lifts, maybe Sly had me beat by 10 pounds because he's just so freaking strong. But yeah, yep. <laughs> overall, yeah, that was kind of where we ended there. And when you know, June 16th, around that time, got the official invite, accepted it immediately, was like, yep, I'm going. Like, this is it. And 
it still felt almost unreal. They even had a point that they said, I guess, I don't know what it was, but there was something to a degree that I think they were trying to find any falseness whatsoever because they even said in the final email, if you accept this invite, there is a screening that will happen when you get here. And if this screening somehow disqualifies you, then you will not be competing. So to think that even after I accepted this invite and paid to go, you know, even you, you book the hotel, you know, you take the ride, flight over, whatever it is, there's a chance you might knock on the doors of Madison and they're going to say, nope, nope, you got to go home. So that was only on my mind the entire time. <laughs> you know? So what, what was their, what was their screening process? They didn't do one. They, they, it was, that's why I mean, I feel like it was a, it was like a ghost hunt. You know what I mean? Like they were trying to scare somebody who maybe they felt just they didn't have enough evidence or anything that was of like a legitimate, you know, condition. Because when we got there, it was check in, here's your name tag, go to your locker, get your stuff. And that was it, you know, it was yeah. a totally normal process, which was a huge relief. Don't get me wrong. Cause like, even though like I have a condition and I have issues, the whole thing in my mind is like, well, what are they going to do? You know, <laughs> like what, what is going to happen with this? Very cool. So um, when you're at Madison, you know, uh, what were some of your, well, I mean, you got to meet other athletes, which is pretty cool. And you had like a tight knit community of the, of the neuromuscular division. Um, what, what were some of like the highlights of you being at Madison other, other than winning? So like, what were the other ones that like, you know, was it meeting somebody? Was it like gaining new friends? Like what was, what was it for you? Yeah, there was, oh, there was a lot of things like looking back at Madison. Those were the three best days of my life. If I could relive those three days first time first experience was hands down the best right from the start you know you you felt like a true athlete as you got guided by a person that's really cool mm-hmm. you know like with your name on it your last name on this plaque and it said who you were it said noble crossfit games 2021 and i remember i took a video i was pointing i was like that's my name like i'm up you know like that's me so Went in there, just the whole like uniform fitting and everything. That was super cool. Just a really fun experience to kick it off with and make you feel like a true athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a real deal. And going through that whole process was a lot of fun. Um, I even remember I, we got back to the hotel room after we got everything. And then my coach was like, don't forget, you, you still have a whole competition. I was like, oh yeah, it's not over. Like that's just the first part. Uh, but it was really neat doing that. And then from there, just the whole legitimacy between having the athlete briefing, getting to hear the workouts, like just getting pumped up for them, like that, that feeling before you step on that field and you're like, wow, I am the real deal. Like I, I am doing this and this has been a dream of mine for years now. And I never thought it would happen. And before me, my dreams are coming true. Yeah, it was one of the coolest things through the whole part of it. We had some really nice tight-knit moments with the uh, neuromuscular group. You know, we would come together, like we would pray. That was kind of our thing is that we would put everyone together in a group, you know, whoever was comfortable with it, whatever it may be. We would just say like a couple words of like just gratitude overall. Just every single time, every single moment we got to step on that field was a moment of gratitude, being able to be there with our abilities and just show the world who we are. You know, win, lose, in the end, it, 
as adaptive athletes, we are our own champions because we're all here just showing the world that there's hope. Mm-hmm. I never, ever, ever really cared so much for myself, but what I can do for others is be that symbol of not giving up. And there's always a way. You just have to find that silver lining and grab a hold of it and never, ever, ever let go. <laughs> like it's as tight as you can. <laughs> Hang on to that thing and find that as your like North Star to make sure that you are always heading towards the right direction and always hang on to that hope because there always is, you know, there, there is always something good to be thankful about. And throughout the CrossFit games, there was so many moments to be thankful for. I, I just, I, I couldn't even list them all, but I know I did get to meet my favorite female athlete, Danny Spiegel. That was like one of the coolest moments. I jumped up and down like a little girl. I was like, Danny, Danny, hi, hi, Danny. It's, it's, like she knows me, you know, like she doesn't know me, of course, but I'm going to act like she does anyway. And then I got a picture with her. So that, that was really nice just to get to meet her. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to bother anybody because, you know, they're also in the game zone, you know, trying to keep their focus, but it, it was nice getting to meet her. Um, and that was, that was uh, probably the best highlighting moment that wasn't involved with just pure competition there. Yeah. So, um, what was your goals like going in? Were you, were your whole plan was like winning the games or what, what was it for you? So that's a good, good question because realistically I had already won just getting there. You know, the, the fact that I got to be there was a victory. So anything beyond that was just the cherry on top. You know, it, it was just a little add on, but I trained very hard. Like I was doing my own programming at that time. I would get up in the morning. I would do a certain series of like cardio exercises between different machines, stuff of that nature. And then I would go ahead, go to work, do my thing. And then I would head back to the gym and I would work out again, do like an entire class workout, whatever that may be that I programmed for the day, working out, you know, two times a day, getting everything done. And it was a lot of hard training. So I had high expectations for myself, but I will never, ever, ever say I'm going into something winning because I don't want to give myself the satisfaction thinking that it's happening because then you slow down. Yeah, true. I I act like I am in last place fighting for first every single time. And that's where we just see what you got. All right. Very cool. So what were you, what were some of the favorite workouts that you had? Oh, the... My absolute favorite had to be, I want to say it was event four. It was our first event coming into day two. It was for time, 63 calories on the bike erg, 21 toes to bar, 21 double dumbbell squats with 35s. Uh, I want to say it was an 82 foot bear crawl. And then another 21 sandbag squats with a hundred pound sandbag. And then another 82 foot bear crawl. Now, the reason why this chipper style workout was my favorite was I, I suck at machines. Like, I'll be honest, like machines, because it's such a high energy output, that is one thing that truly fries my system is I have to be highly conscious and aware of what output I'm giving to where my body doesn't just completely shut down. Yep. Well, I was the very last person off of that bike by like, I'm talking the first person probably got off at least a minute ahead of me, at least a minute. And then I got off as the final person. And I say, I was still like 30 seconds behind 
the second to last person to get off the bike. Then I hit the toes to bar. Boom, unbroken. I hit the dumbbell fronts, boom, unbroken. Make my first bear crawl, get to that sandbag. Two sets, got down with those 21 squats, make my way to the finish line, and I ended up winning that event. So that was like just a really cool moment of almost just like the self-awareness of my body. You know, like saying, hey, I know that if I go out too hot on this bike, I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, like the rest of this workout is just not going to happen. So that was a really, really cool moment of just self-awareness, um, knowing that my body was going to go ahead and adapt accordingly by taking it easier on the bike to excel in the other regions of that workout there. Very cool. Awesome. And um, after, when did you realize you were actually going to win the games? Uh, at the end of day two. At the end okay. of day two was two events left. I did the math. And I just had to show up. If I just showed up and came in dead last in both workouts, I still would have won the games. So at that point, you could sleep a little easier at night. Um, but by no means did I take the gas off the pedal. <laughs> pedal off the gas? Off the gas pedal. That's the phrase. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. I was like, something doesn't sound right there. <laughs> Put off the gas pedal there. Um, those last two events were awesome. And also the first event of the day was a nightmare. Was, was it the deadlift one for you guys? That was, so that was, um, that was on day one, the deadlift one, but this was okay. the double under one when they told us we're doing double unders on turf. Oh, that's right. I, I remember you talking about that. I, I, I was, when I was, um, when I was doing some research on you, I remember you were talking about how you were doing double unders on turf and it was like such a hard time for you to even do that. Oh my God. Well, you know, you, you get the, uh, special rope, you get your, I have an RPM rope and, um, that's such a thin wire. And now you're trying to slap it twice against turf, which is, you know, going to cause a lot of drag. And I was doing double unders. Like you're not supposed to do double unders, you know, like biggest jump, tucking my knees, like hardest flail with the arms just to get it going. And I was like, this is taking so much energy. And I, you know, it, I think the biggest set of double unders we had there was 75. And I was like, this is, like, I, I was like, this is the hardest set of double unders I ever did in my life. So that event was a nightmare just trying to figure that one out. Looking back, I do have like a second rope that's a little heavier wire. And I feel like I would have tried that, you know, maybe just to see if it caused less drag or if I found a way to tighten the rope up so that way I didn't have it hit the ground at all. That'd be you know, another option, but man, that, that turf with double unders was just, whew. yeah, I've, I've actually done it before. So um, okay. I've done it on that, but the heavy, heavier rope still does the same thing. So really? I, I I'm thinking, I, I think that even with the, he the heavier rope, when it hits the ground, it gets a quicker rebound because it's so heavy. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it it has a rebound, not as quick as like the thinner ropes, but at least it you you do it definitely do get a re bounce back with it because you have to, you get, pretty much you get rubber on the turf, so it, it bounces up, and so that's why it should wow, get your yeah. feet tripped. I, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that would be. Whew. Yeah, I didn't. When, when did you practice that? When did you try that? So I I was a trainer at a gym. I was I was a personal trainer a while back too. So um, okay. And so I the, the gym that I have, they actually have a turf field inside the gym, and so that's when I would do the jump roping there. But they didn't have like the asteroid, like they didn't have like the tires 
the shredded tires on there. It was just like straight AstroTurf. And it was so annoying just to try to do jump ropes. Yeah, I can see that thing getting caught there all the time. Yeah, and I'm and I'm pretty good at double unders too. And so me just like like having issues like the whole time, and it was just like, okay, I I, I know it's I know it's not me. It's definitely this turf. So I just I did the heavy rope. I had like the thinner rope, and it was both had the same issue. Wow, that's nuts. So now, I, well, now I know. Now I know. So <laughs> that's that's some good advice, you know. So that way. I don't think, oh, I got this heavier rope. Now it's going to make it better. So no, not really. It's not. Yeah. Wow. So, oh, so yeah. after, so after day three, um, mm-hmm. the, after the last workout, what was going through your minds after like all of the CrossFit games was over, you won, like, you know, what, what was going through your head? Uh, so actually like the whole award ceremony was great. It, it was really cool. Like, I can't believe this happened, but it was hot. Like we were in this bubble of a tent type deal where they were having the awards ceremony and we had just like finished doing all these workouts. Uh, and I remember like a lot of the neuros were crashing like hard. So many people just like smushed together between the adaptive divisions, the master's divisions, the teens divisions, all just getting ready for their awards ceremony. And then you have all the people inside the bubble too, who are there trying to watch, you know, the award ceremony, the big TV, what's going on with events. And that thing was just retaining heat so much. I remember like I ended up actually the second after I got off the podium, I went to the medic bay. I got pulled away because I was starting to like have this systematic shutdown. I was just so on fire. My body was starting to shut down and fall asleep. They were like checking my heart rate. It was dropping fairly low. Like I think it was down to like 40 beats a minute. Wow. It was getting low, which I mean, you know, working out like relatively, I have a lower heart rate, but 40 beats per minute was low. So my body was very much shutting down. Um, So, you know, as much of a glorious moment as it was, (laughs) I also was, slightly dying just slightly (laughs) it was definitely uh it was still like a very very great moment you know standing up there on the podium with the other two guys who were up there with me it was just a really good time um just saying we did it you know it wasn't even the fact that I was on the podium winning it was that we were on the podium because this thing is completed you know we made history as the first you know, neuromuscular, upper extremity, lower extremity, all the adaptive divisions made history as these first people to get to open a whole new world. So it's everywhere, whether it be, oh my God, I'm an adaptive athlete and I really can like give a big shot at this, or I've never even stepped into a box. And there's these people who understand what I'm going through to a degree. And there's no reason why I can't make that first step into some sort of fitness, whatever it may be. Okay. All right. Awesome. So do you think that, um, adaptive athletes should get a little bit more recognition at all at the CrossFit games or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Um, and I, we joke about this with the guys all the time, at least the neuromuscular guys. Uh, once again, it kind of comes back to like, you can't see what's wrong with us. So we, we kind of just say that we're the, uh, local scaled comp that just kind of, <laughs> out to make it to, to the games 
Yeah. You can't see it. You know, you can't see what's going on inside our bodies. So I remember um, people were asking on like the YouTube live feeds. They're like, what's neuromuscular? And there people just don't know. And, you know, you can't blame them because that is like, like I said, you know, you look at upper extremity, lower extremity, it's very clear and defined where there's some uh, sort of issue, whereas, or adaptation, whereas you look at us and you're just like, well, what's wrong with them? You know, like they just look like average human beings, nothing's going on. Um, So, you know, it's to say that as neuromuscular adaptive athletes, we feel we kind of get like pushed off to the side because there's no, uh, there's no camera for it. You know, like what's the point of picturing someone who looks completely average like myself um, and saying like, Hey, this is a neuromuscular athlete, like, and he's gone through so much, you know, it's almost like we feel sidelined, so to speak, um, just because we're, we're, we're not pretty, you know, we, we don't, we, yeah, the, the picture to make it look like we actually have uh, anything wrong with us. So it's, uh, or any type of adaptation. Um, so it's a little unfortunate there, but, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, I do this for fun. I do this for my health. Uh, in the end, like, if I get, you know, to help others along the way, and I get to show them, you know, what I've been through, that's great. I, I would love to share my story with as many people as possible. Um, but unfortunately, I feel that because I don't have a certain look of adaptation that, you know, my story gets sidelined. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see that. What, um, speaking about your stuff getting sidelined, what are some of the biggest pet peeves of people with that don't understand MS? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. Like I have, I have people who will reach out to me and say that I am unfair in competition. Um, they will say that I am not as disabled as other people, so I don't belong in the division. Uh, so it, it does, it, it hurts to a degree to know what I have been through and what I have fought through to get to where I am to have people reach out to me and say, you don't belong here. You know, so it makes it hard on me as an athlete, especially, you know, like I've never been a selfish person by any means. You know, I always try to give back to others. I mean, I'm I'm a trainer, you know, my, my job is to give back to everybody and to help lives, whether it be through training, um, whether it be through, you know, competing in CrossFit and just being that symbol of hope, you know, showing there's always a better way in life. So to have people almost judge me to a degree before getting to know me and think ill of me. Uh, it's never the best feeling in the world, but you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you have to, it, on the other side, there are a lot of people who reach out to me and are like, you know, thank you. Like there's people who I've met, like even across the country, you know, across the country, out in other countries, they'll reach out to me and be like, I just read your story. Like, it's absolutely amazing what you've gone through or they'll introduce themselves as like a new MS person or a new neuromuscular person. And they're like, thank you. Like, just thank you for showing me that there is a way and there is a hope mm-hmm. and ask me like questions, whatever it may be, you know, whether it be like treatments or things that I've done personally to help adapt or certain symptoms, how do I fight through them? And it's really nice to have that appreciation, you know, to a degree and be able to do why I do this. You know, it's all about just helping others. I, I really, really in the end, I win, I lose in the competition. That's fine. You know, like either way, that's fine. It's just knowing that I am able to help others realize that they do have the potential to do things 
that's what it's all about. You know, that, that's really why I do this. Yeah. I, I always think as well, if like people give me bad comments is like, what's, <clears throat> me, what's going on in their life to be writing a part of my French, a shitty comment. Like, it, is it really that bad to like bash down on other people? That that's why, that's why like, if someone writes a nasty comment, like I don't care. Sure. So it's, it's not, it's not worth, it's not worth my time going back to that person and typing like, you know, going on a whole list of like, Hey, you know, this is why I said it. This is why I did it. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's not, it's not worth it because they, they have their set, they're set in their ways and they're not going to change. Right. So that, that's, that's my, that's my, I, that's my theory when it comes to, uh, you know, nasty comments and I don't, I don't put nasty comments down. There's, There's no need to. Right. Yeah, so, it's like if you don't, I mean, it's the old standard, like you don't have anything nice to say, like just don't say it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, we're getting close to the end. So I do have some questions, uh, like final questions. So um, do you have any goals for the rest of the year? Yeah. Um, honestly, right now, the number one goal is semifinals. You know, I'm in semifinals. That starts June 2nd, June 2nd through 5th. Goals to place top five. You know, we play as top five, we punch that ticket to Madison. That is the number one goal. You know, I don't look ahead. I look at the task at hand and what needs to be done. So every single day now it is training. You know, it is first part of the workout, check. Second part of the workout, check. And we're going to keep doing that process until we get to semifinals. And then we're going to pound the heck out of semis. <laughs> that, that is literally the goal. It is yeah. one step at a time i never like to look too far ahead into the future when it comes to these kind of things because there, there's so many variables you know like by the time june 2nd rolls around how's my condition going to be you know like am i going to be super affected that weekend by something you know there's so many different variables when it comes to competing i take it one day at a time and i just make sure that i'm checking off the list that every single thing that i do i'm putting my absolute best effort into so first goal semis make it into the top five so do you have any goals like that are not crossfit related goals that are not crossfit related we, we talking like whole family life like what's going on like whatever whatever you want whatever your goals are for the year yeah yeah for the year um you know i i did get this new position in my current job that i have uh, i did finally work towards like a head training position uh in a fitness studio that it's been a long time coming you know, I, ever since my parents' garage, like I said, I knew to some degree I wanted to do this. And to find out that I finally got it as my main job has been super awesome. Um, realistically, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at in the company. And I know there's going to be room for growth. So just doing my best in that job currently would be great. Um, I guess it kind of relates with CrossFit. So we'll, we'll, we'll say it's like a crossfit goal you know what i mean yeah i'll i'll give i'll give that to you so okay all right, all right. cool 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 <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind doing more things like this you know yeah. getting to go places and talk you know getting to speak about my experiences whatever it may be whether it's you know for you know this podcast whether it's like something with crossfit itself um whether i can work with a, a company you know like whatever it may be you know i'm not saying like Nike, Reebok, whatever it may be, something of that sort, just to be a better physical representation for these adaptive divisions. Kind of how we were talking before that I feel that the neuromuscular divisions get sidelined. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you 
of any neuromuscular athlete that is sponsored by a company, like a big sport company of Nike, Reebok, GORUCK, Adidas, Under Armour, whatever it may be. I just don't feel that they have any sponsorship. So to help find equality across the board would be super cool in some shape or form. Along with that, just expanding. You know, we have all these doors that are being opened for these new athletes and they may have not a single idea what brand to get, you know, like what to look for in a yep. and stability is your issue because that's where you need adaptations. It would be really cool to be able to just help represent our division better and just expand it and open the gates even more to not only make it more inclusive in CrossFit, but more inclusive in the world. Okay. All right. I like that. Um, where I, I've, I have something, I have something to tell you after, after this, you know, recording, so they may want to consider doing, but, uh, we'll talk about that, that after. So, um, what is your favorite book? My favorite book. So right now I am reading the book, the daily stoic. I don't know if you ever heard of the daily stoic or not, yep. but it's basically, you know, as, as you know, so you've heard of it. It has those life lessons one page a day. I suck at reading. I'll just be straight up honest. I suck at reading and I want to be good at reading. So I'm trying really hard with this book here. And it has actually opened a bit of a doorway for reading for myself. So the Daily Stoic gives me my daily lesson, kind of a nice thing to reflect upon, things to think about on my progress in life and what to do to better myself, not just in life, but as a human. You know, I feel there's so many people nowadays that they lead with like hate, anger, jealousy, selfishness that if they just work on small steps of change with their mindset, they can become a better person, which in turn, you make one person become better. They then can reflect themselves onto other people. And it just slowly will start to make, as cliche as it sounds, the world a better place, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> or just kind to each other and can have genuine conversation with strangers and not feel like it's a weird thing. Um, so that's my one book I'm working on now. On top of that, I'm also working on a book called Atomic Habits. So this book was recommended to me by my boss, and it's one of the two books I'm working on through this cycle right now. I actually really like this book because it challenges you to develop habits that represent your lifestyle, not just like, hey, you go to work, you do this, you do that, and that's a habit. No, it's what do these habits physically do to develop you as a character and as a person. So those are the two books that I'm working with right now. Okay, cool. So um, this one's a little, per this one's a little deep. So let's okay. just say it's your last day on earth and mm. you're with your family. How do you want people to know you as? If it is my last day on earth, the one thing that I hope that people know me as is the guy who gave everything to help everyone else become better than they thought they ever could be. Okay. I love that. Love that. Awesome. So uh, last question, where can, where can people reach out to you if they have any questions with like MS or like how to deal with MS if they have like a family member, like what, what's the best route of uh, reaching out to you? Yeah. So the best route, you know, I keep my Instagram as uh, completely open. You know, I don't keep it as private because I, I like the messages, you know, I like getting those positive messages of feedback. So um, my, you know, my handle there underscore Berticus underscore. Uh, so that, 
the the best. Uh, so that's a nickname. That is a nickname from high school, actually, because you know, in history there was Spartacus, right? And he had this huge idea of leading the gladiators out and like rebelling against the norm of them having to be slaves and be treated poorly. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because that was a uh, nickname in high school just because I had some muscles, you know, and uh, now it's kind of funny that moving forward, I do represent something along that line of being outside the norm, you know, like representing something bigger than myself, which is really, really cool. But that is, uh, so that, needless to say, that is probably the number one way people can always feel free to reach out with me with that. Um, you know, I have no problem with chatting with them or give them my number as well. If I, you know, have a good conversation and we just need to follow up on some things. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty open book. I try to, you know, I accept everybody, you know, like I, I like, I like people. I'm a people person. So. Yeah. Yeah. Make me too. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you very much for doing this. I really do appreciate you taking the time and this is Jesus, this is a long one. So, uh, <laughs> so which is fairly finally, I'm okay with it. So, uh, well, thank you very much for doing this. And I would love to have you back on maybe after semis or even like after the games or whatnot and kind of get your experience again on that. That would be super awesome. I really appreciate you having me on here, Tom. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good one. Hey, thanks. You too.